Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Welcome to Tab Radio for Sunday, April 26, 2015. I'm your host, Troy A. Berger, owner of Tab Training and Consultant, LLC. Coming to you live from the Kansas City area, Kansas. Another cloudy, overcast, and cool Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today's broadcast is entitled Live Talk on Technology and Computers. I'm excited about this afternoon's broadcast, which I typically am about all of my broadcasts. However, this one is unique in the fact that it will be my first live call-in broadcast where I'm opening up this broadcast for listeners of the show to dial 347-884-9933 to share a question or comment about technology or computers. If it's a question, I will attempt to answer that question in less than three to five minutes. Every question or comment is important to me, and therefore I will answer the question in the allotted time. If I'm unable to answer that question in such time, I will answer it during a subsequent radio broadcast or post the answer in my Facebook group entitled Bridging the Technology Literacy Gap. All right, that's my Facebook group entitled Bridging Bridging the the Technology Literacy Gap. To get the ball rolling this afternoon, I will answer the following question just to give you a little background about myself and the passion that I have for helping others become more efficient, effective, and productive users of technology. So let's start it off. Question one, who is Troy A. Berger? What event or events put Troy on his path as a facilitator, instructor, and advocate of technology and computers? Now let's see if I can answer that in less than three to five minutes. First and foremost, I am a Microsoft Certified Professional with over 20-plus years of experience as a facilitator, instructor, and developer of classes and curriculum on technology and computer literacy, specifically targeted for novice and beginner users. I do have experience working with both adult and youth-based businesses, I'm sorry, youth-based programs where the adult programs were about preparing them for re-entry or advancement within the workplace. The youth-based programs that I've worked with were about integrating entrepreneurship, right, the starting of a business, and assisting them with developing businesses while learning about Microsoft Office Suite applications. What were the event or events that got me started on this path? I think it was just the, the the inherent interest in what made computer programs work. I remember the, the day um, my mom took me to purchase my first computer, a Commodore 128. And I, I remember that day distinctly as it, it was one of the happiest days I think I experienced as a um, a, a young adult or a young person. I was in my um, 12, 11, 12 years old. And um, computers at that time, as far as my interests were, um, were playing games. I had some of the 
other uh, games, Atari, ColecoVision, uh, just to name a few. And, however, this uh, Commodore 128 um, was built more as a computer um, as, as opposed to just playing games. And I remember the set that I got, it came with a keyboard. It came with a, a tape deck, which actually served as the um, hard drive. And we're talking some years ago here. And I just remember that I started focusing more on the applications, the programs that came with the 128 versus the games. I still had the other systems that were there. Um, but I remember just being more focused on how those things work and, and what you could use them to do. And I started storing contact information, um, just just data. Um, there was a word processor that was on there, so I started typing letters, my school reports on them. Uh, it did come with a printer, so I was able to print those out. And just just that general interest. And I, I was just fed by how much I could learn. And I think my grandmother, I shouldn't say I think, I know for sure, my grandmother, um, Rosa Hamilton, instilled in me the, the part of me that wants to help, the part of me that wants to share. So as I gained more confidence and gained more knowledge on computers in general, and as time went on, um, I think I picked up more and more from her about not just having that information within me, but also being uh, willing to share. So, so that's what that's where the passion came from. It was a, a combination of interest. Um, it was something to do, something to stay in the house. Um, it was interesting. And, and as I saw, just in that early stages, uh, new things came out, um, new programs came out, and, and that's, that's where the passion came from. And, and then I kind of stumbled on an opportunity uh, living back in Far Rockway, Queens, and at the the neighborhood vegan program across the street. A teacher was absent. My mentor mentioned me, and that's how I got into teaching. Uh, I was scared to death. I had never taught in front of a class before, uh, but really liked it, enjoyed um, helping, and, and really felt good to know that I was helping others and when others shared that information. And so that's kind of how I got started. And and I want to remind uh, all my listeners that today is a live call-in show. Uh, the number is 347-884-9933. So please don't hesitate to call in with a question or a comment that you have about uh, technology and, and computers. I do want to add just one more thing that my area of interest uh, and expertise is, is really in helping individuals overcome uh, that anxiety. So if you are listening in and if you've heard broadcasts, uh, prior broadcasts from me or if you've attended a prior class or a tutoring session, um, get past that anxiety, pick up the phone, Give me a call, 347-884-9933. That's 347-884-9933. And, and share an experience. Share a question. Share something that has happened. And I'll do my best, as I mentioned, within three to five minutes to answer that. Um, another question uh, while we're waiting for listeners to call in, 
Another question that I typically typically get is choosing between a laptop, a desktop, or a tablet. Now, there are probably many answers, and I really don't believe there's any one answer to that question. The thing that I would suggest, uh, and I have stated in my classes, and whenever I uh, teach someone or tutor someone, is that first look at uh, there's a couple of things to look at. One, look at your budget. How much money are you willing and able to spend on a, a system? And laptops, desktops, and tablets are all systems. They're all computer systems. They're all part of of, of technology. Um, so once you determine how much that you're able and willing to spend, do a little research. That's the first thing that I do. Um, I do try to stay up on current trends as far as uh, what laptops are out there, what desktops, what tablets are out there, what each of them are able to do. You do want to look at what I call the five basic components of a system, right? That's your memory, that's your storage, that's your processor, that's um, um, output and input. And, and, and just give you a quick example. Um, your memory comes in the form of RAM. The larger the number, the more space you have. And where that becomes important, it determines typically how much you're able to run at one time. So the more RAM you have, the more programs that you can run on your system, whichever one you choose, laptop, desktop, or tablet. Um, your processor is just um, more or less how fast that system um processes information, how quickly websites come up, how um, if you're creating a spreadsheet on one of these systems, how fast it will calculate um, information on the system. Storage is how much space you have available to not only store the programs that you're running, but to store the new information that you create based on those programs. So that's important. And the last two are output and input. So output looks at how big your screen is, right? You can have a 55-inch TV screen connected to your desktop, or you might have a 10-inch laptop, or you may have a 6-inch tablet. So those, those, that's your output. You might need the big screen. Obviously, the big screen is not portable. Where your 6-inch tablet, you can slip into a briefcase or a purse and take that with you. Um, so I see we have our first caller, and hi, caller. Hello. You're on the air. Can you give me your name and where you're from and your question? My name is Brenda, and I'm calling from New Jersey. Um, I recently had what they call the blue screen of death. Is it really the blue screen of death, and can you get your screen back? I mean, your pro, you know, can you get your computer to function again? Wow, that that that's a great question, and um, the answer to that is the the reason why it's called that is I'm quite sure when that first 
when you first saw that screen, you probably took a gasp. You probably said, oh, no, uh, amongst other words you may have chosen, depending on what you were doing at the time. And all going stopped. Um, you were no longer able to function. Your keyboard stopped working. Your mouse stopped working. And uh, what you see on the screen are foreign symbols, things that you normally wouldn't see if your computer is working fine. Typically what happens, part of your operating system, uh, whether it be a file, um, some files, um, could have gotten corrupted. So that's one thing that could have happened. Um, unfortunately, I don't believe there's any one reason why a file corrupts. Um, it could be due to a virus. It could be due to other malfunctions within the system itself. So that's one reason why the blue screen of death comes up, because as your, as your computer is processing whatever it is you're asking it to do, let's say you're in the middle of Microsoft Word and you're typing a letter, and whatever you're doing within that system, well, the system needs to access this file, and it can no longer access it, whether the file is corrupt, whether the file might have been uh, accidentally deleted, or if there's some type of issue with, with a virus or something. When it tries to access that file and it does not know what to do moving forward, that's one thing that can result in that blue screen of death. Um, I've had an instance where it wasn't the file that became corrupted. It was a actual part of my hard drive where that file existed. Um, the, the unfortunate remedy to that typically is, um, I know first effort I've tried to go back to a restore point, and that's something that I think a lot of us uh, don't do, including myself. I have been guilty of that. What happens is that as you're adding programs and as you're deleting programs, you can create a point on your hard drive that says, as of this point, everything is working. And so what you might be able to do is go back to that point before the situation happened and be able to bring your system back. In the case with me, because a partition of my hard drive um, was no longer functioning, a part of my hard drive, I actually had to um, purchase a new hard drive, format it with the operating system. I took the old hard drive that created or generated that blue screen of death message, and that became subsequently my second hard drive where I was still able to pull up files that I created. However, it was no longer functioning as a drive to run my system. If you do get that, try to restart the machine. Um, it may be a hiccup. And I know sometimes that's the first thing that we always say is reboot the machine. Um, the second thing, uh, pay attention to the messages that pop up that will sometimes tell you the actual file that's corrupt. And it may be a part of the operating system that has to be reinstalled. Um, see if you can go back to that restore point on your 
hard drive. Um, and then you may have to, unfortunately, purchase a new one if the drive itself um, is not functioning properly. And then there could be a number of reasons for that. So I don't think the blue screen of death is an absolute um, ending to your computer working, but there are a series of steps that would need to be followed to determine what that that problem is. Thank you, Carla from New Jersey. I really appreciate that question. Um, Hopefully, um, this is one of those things I hope everyone has not seen it. Um, I think we've all heard of it. And there are some things that you can definitely do to prevent that. But if it does happen to you, I would um, definitely seek the advice of um, someone who's knowledgeable in computers, um, especially the inner workings of it, and and they should be able to help you uh, and guide you through getting the information, which is usually the most important thing, such as pictures and different files that you have on there. So don't throw out the computer. Don't throw out the hard drive. Um, seek advice, and and hopefully they can resolve uh, whatever the issue is. All right. Thank you. Let's look at another question that I am um, asked for. Again, I want to repeat all listeners to the show that this is a live call-in show. The call-in number is 347-884-9933. That is 347-884-9933. So please call in with your questions or comments. I'll be more than happy to help you. I uh, apologize. I did take a little bit more than three or five minutes, but that's um, something I know I've – that's a question I'm commonly asked when I do an introduction to computer workshop, Um, and it's definitely something that can be dealt with. You should follow those steps, and hopefully within uh, those first few steps, you can uh, get some resolution. Um, The worst I've seen is replacing the hard drive and usually being able to recover the information off of that first hard drive that failed by making it a secondary drive. Okay. And if you're not comfortable with that, there are definitely sources out there, resources out there to kind of guide you through those steps. Another question I'm typically asked, and this is one that's more recent um, than some of the others uh, that I want to share with you in the the last 10 minutes of my time here. Um, A little explanation about computer programs versus apps. Now, for those of us who have been using computers for a while, uh, computer programs, that term is interchangeable with the term application. We sometimes use the term software. Um, they were all meant they all meant the same thing and they still do. But these are the instruments that we use on a computer. Microsoft Word is an example of a software program, an application, a computer program. And it's a tool that we use to create other type of information, to create letters, to create documents. Um, So it's something that we use on the system. It's something that you can add to a system. You pay for it, you add it to your system. When Facebook first came out, and I want to use this as an example because it's something that I experienced recently with a family member. When Facebook first came out, you had to actually go onto your computer 
go onto the internet, www.facebook.com, log into your um, your account, and there you would see your timeline and be able to communicate. Um, as a matter of fact, I met some relatives for the first time in North Carolina that lived in the apartment complex right next to where I was staying um, that I had not seen or they had not seen me since I was a baby. And it was through Facebook that they were able to communicate with an uncle of mine and the uncle communicated with me and then I finally got in touch with the cousin. So it's a great tool, great application. With the advent of the tablets and smartphones, <clears throat> because the resources, we talked about RAM a few minutes ago and we talked about storage. Because the resources on tablets and phones are a lot less, a lot less than the resources that are on laptops and computers, this whole thing about apps came about. And we're going to stick with Facebook because on your tablet, you can download the app version. And I say app, right, because it's a shorter, condensed word of application. You can download the app version of Facebook, which stores your information. So if I close out of the app on my tablet and I reopen it, it will automatically take me back into my Facebook account. So I don't have to worry about going to the Internet, right? I still have access to that on my tablet. I can go on to um, Google Chrome or Internet Explorer or Mosaic or whatever other operating uh, – whatever other application I use to get to the internet and I can still do my www.facebook.com and log into my account and type in my password. But the app allows me to quickly access my account and I can also do it on my phone, which obviously has a smaller screen. I have it with me all the time. Um, so there's, I have that um, always accessible um, aspect of it, but the apps on the tablets and the apps on the tab, uh, the smartphones, and now we even have apps that you can download onto laptops. To me, they are just a quick, condensed version of the actual program. One of the challenges is that the apps, because of the design, because it's meant to be a quick version, a condensed version, they don't appear the same way they will on your laptop where you're logging into the actual website. It's the same application. It gives you the same access. However, it may look different. And I think that's a small price to pay in exchange of uh, the efficiency and, and the quick access to what we need. And to me, that's the difference between the programs that are on computers and laptops originally designed for those versus just condensed apps that are on your tablet and your smartphones. And again, with Windows 8, they are, you, you also can download apps. And now, unfortunately, not every program has the original app, uh, program and an app version of it. And actually, there are some apps that don't even have programs to it. They were just designed and built to be used in that condensed format, and that's just what it is. So neither one is necessarily better than the other. It really just depends on the tool that you use and the resources that are part of that tool.
Um, so I have Facebook on my computer that I log into, and then I have an app on my tablet that just gives me that quicker access. I just have to remember that the screens may be slightly different or the way that I access the different screens are different. Okay. And the last question I want to talk about is um, I'm often asked, which computer should I buy, brand A or brand B? Two things come to mind when I'm asked this question. Three things, actually. Kind of goes back to the budget, right? You have two different brands. They have a series of different um, modules or types within the brand itself, um, different screen sizes, different types of keyboards. Sometimes it's a regular one-on-one keyboard. Sometimes it's a one-on-one keyboard with a keypad. It really it boils down to how much you're willing and able to spend. That's always the first thing I, I suggest um, for someone to consider before brand, buying two different brands. The second thing really goes to you doing some research. I'd love to do a research for you. Of course, it's going to cost you. I have no problem in doing the research for you. But if you go online and you Google these two different brands, and if you do have a model, Google the model, people are more than happy to share their frustrations or the pleasures, the, the excitement of that particular model and brand that they purchased and how well it was and how awesome it is. And they recommend it to their whole family and their kids have it and their grandkids have it and they all communicate and it's so nice. One plug fits all if it's the same brand, same model. Um, so do the research. See what's out there. CNET.com, that's the letter C, letter N, the letter E, the letter T, dot com, does reviews on everything. And if it's not everything, I, I may be overselling them, but they do reviews on a lot of different things. Do a little bit of research, see what's out there, see what, what people are saying about the different brands and models. And I think the third thing, and it's not the, the least important, it's the comfort that you have. No different than you choosing to go to a different store, store A versus store B, restaurant A versus restaurant B. How was the customer service? How did you feel when you were making your order or, or spending your money? It really goes down to that. Um, I've been a user of a certain brand and also a um, technician, uh, a tech support person of a certain brand, and therefore I have extreme comfort in that brand. And that's typically the brand that I choose. Um, is it better? No. Is it worse? No. It's one that I am comfortable with the budget I'm willing to spend. I do my research because there are different models within the brand, and I look at the different parts, right, the the screen, the memory, the RAM, the storage, what type of devices can I use to input the information, the input, um, those five basic components I mentioned earlier. And then I sit down and usually I'm comparing at least two, sometimes three, and then I make my choice based on the research that I conduct. And I can spend two hours, I can spend 20 hours. It depends on the level of the purchase. So which computer should you buy? Sometimes it's a monetary issue. 
uh, consideration. Sometimes it's, I just love that brand. Then go out there and get it and just make sure you do the things to make sure that device does what it needs to do for you. It's amazing how fast 30 minutes can go. I do want to thank my caller from New Jersey for taking the courage and going beyond her anxiety, if she has any, with computers. It was a definitely a great question. I hope we've learned from it. I hope she's learned from it. Um, and I, I like to close on this. There are many challenges to increasing one's technology literacy, but it all begins with us, the individual. We have to decide, much like a business does, what are our goals, short and long term, where are we now, and what we need to do to achieve the goals that we set for ourselves. Technology literacy should be something that we use to help meet those goals. I wish to thank my live caller for calling in. Thank you so much. And I wish to invite future archive listeners, or thank archive listeners, for checking out Tab Radio broadcast. I hope you will tune in to my next broadcast on May 17th. Take me off the first Sunday of the month, and then I'll be observing Mother's Day on May 10th. And here's an enormous early Mother's Day shout-out to my mom, Brenda Timms. I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing without your love and the sacrifices you made to raise me and my sister. I want you to have a beautiful Mother's Day. Visit tabtraining.com to learn more information. My name is Troy A. Berger, host of Tab Radio, owner of Tab Training and Consultant, LLC. Have a great week. Thank you.